This is Killstreak. Nutless Wonders, it's Killstreak, episode 194. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing okay. Um, I have a request. Yeah. I want, in future episodes, because I, I know you want more things that you have to prepare ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, I want to be asked a completely non-sequitur question to start the episode. I don't want to know what's coming. Okay, sure, sure. But but just um yeah, make me make me answer some random question. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll get on that. And may, maybe I'll make it uh apropos to the movie we're covering. Sure. Sure. Uh this movie we're covering today, VHS Viral, we'll get to shortly. Uh we're recording soon after our last record, so I'm assuming you didn't really get a chance to watch much, did you? Uh, I started watching something. I, well, I started watching a Ken Russell movie that I had not seen called The Devils. Oh, yeah, um, I want to watch that. And then I got sleepy. Uh, and so I made it through, like, maybe 20 minutes of that. So Can you hear my dogs wrestling? This is why I didn't want to let Rosie in. Only if I listen really closely. And I have I have headphones on. Okay, well, you I'll know. let them go at it. We'll see what happens. Oh, one just got thrown to the ground <laughs> <laughs> off the bed. Yeah, this right, is. I'm gonna get him out of here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in case you guys want to peek behind the curtain, it's January 25th. We recorded uh just just three days ago on Monday because I'm going Figure out of out town next week. Rosie, Figure yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's fine. I was just uh peeling back the curtain for the audience and letting them know that it's three days after we recorded the last podcast. Yeah. I mean, some people say that they need a vacation from the vacation. Mm. You're taking that literally. (laughs) (laughs) You're going on another week long vacation. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that is true. Although Uh, you earned it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I did. All right. Uh, I I mean, you did. You've had a tough year, so I'm glad. Yeah, you're always complaining you haven't been on a vacation, but and it sucks. But I also think there's a tiny sliver of self fulfilling prophecy in that. You know? Yeah, I mean for sure, I'll be going on vacation this year. I will. Uh, no, actually, be next year. I'm going to like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be going to my yearly sojourn to Rhode Island. So yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, but you know, I will be going to like the the Caribbean at some point. Uh, mm. For my uh, father-in-law's seventieth birthday, we're doing a whole like my my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's mm-hmm. nephew is coming, so it'll be fun. See, that's what I'm I'm going on an in-laws trip, which yeah, yeah, no, not as an insult to my in-laws, but that I don't know that that really counts as a vacation. You know, I think this one, and will. I would say the same thing about my family. Yeah, like if I was like you know, I go back to Wisconsin for a week or so, at least once a year. And to me, that's not a vacation. That's visiting family at home. Yeah, no, I feel that way about my, my Rhode Island trips, too. It's yeah. not like 
I mean, usually I'm working, so it's like straight up not a vacation. Right. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like in another place. Yeah. Not hope. Unfortunately, just physically, not mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But anyway, what was I saying? Oh, nothing. Did I you didn't... watch anything? No, not really. I didn't have time. Everybody won't shut the fuck up about Fargo. So oh, yeah. I, I'm I about Fargo. I'm about to finish the first season. Oh wow, you're on first season. Okay. Well, I had seen the first episode twice in like three years, and neither time did it hook me enough to make me want to watch more. Uh, my rundown is season one is pretty good. Season mm. two is great. Mm. Season three is good. Season four is pretty good. This last season's great. Okay. Two great seasons, I'd say, and, and others that are fun. Okay. There's a formula to them. Season one has gotten better as it's gone on. Yes. Gone on. I'll say the pilot is the weakest episode. Yeah. Probably of the whole series. Yeah, the more the show differentiates itself from the movie, the more I enjoy it. Yes. And I think the pilot very much wants to like ground itself, like be like, hey, you liked the movie Fargo, right? Well, this is the TV show Fargo. Right. Yeah, there's similar characters, sort of a similar setup. Mm-hmm. But um, season two is when it really starts to, there's some fun things that happen. Um, right. And just like, I would say filmmaking wise, every season has at least two or three standout sequences okay. that are really impressive. And this last season in particular has been pretty great. Okay. And we're also watching a true detective night country. Oh yeah. We watched the first episode of that last night. I'm intrigued. Me too. Uh, it's getting a lot of shit online. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. I mean, not a lot. I, I, I mean, just on Twitter, but people are complaining. That's like, Oh, it's nothing like season one. It's like, yeah, who cares? It's a new thing. It's a different thing. Yeah, but I'm liking it, and I didn't realize it's from the director of uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid. I've not seen that, which is a Mexican um, it's horror horror adjacent. They did it okay. on Joe Bob. Um, it's good movie. Yeah, Issa Lopez. Oh, my son's coming in now. Is <laughs> yes, come on in. Yes, so, like son. we were saying, it's uh, the end of January. Won't be back to record a new episode until the first week of February. What's up, Elliot? Do you need something? That's uh, Eric talking to his son Elliot. Do you need something? Uh oh, he's got sh- he got shy. <laughs> he doesn't want to be on the podcast. No, no, that's too bad. He's gonna start his own rival podcast, probably <laughs> knowing him, knowing how comp- uh, how competitive he is with me. I'll fucking take him down. <laughs> oh, we got a uh, confirmation that uh, Jackie still listening to the show. They they wrote me on Twitter. Oh, good. Uh, I thank them. They also said that uh, they were probably kinder to VHS, the original, than uh, they would be now. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, and that yeah, was already you, a, it was it was a somewhat critical yeah, uh, yeah right up to begin with yeah. yeah. Uh, but that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of how I felt too. Uh, what? I'll tell you off air. I'll tell you off air. Okay, great. <laughs> We're off to a very smooth start today. <laughs> Let's um, talk about VHS viral. Yeah. You want to jump right into it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, VHS viral was released uh, about a year after, a little more than a year after VHS two. Um, it came out just in time for Halloween in 2014. Uh, production companies remain the same. It's still Brad Miska and Bloody Disgusting. 
Uh, I want to say that maybe Roxanne Benjamin has left the franchise at this point. Uh, and she was doing some other stuff. I know it was around this time that she started developing her own uh, horror anthology called Southbound, which I've never seen, but I've actually I've heard it's quite good. And yeah, it has, I like it. I like it a lot. It has a couple of of people that I'm friends with in it. Um, but sort of a, just as a fuck you to people I know, I was like, well, I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a Dave Bruckner joint. Um, who who did the the segment that we like Amateur Night in the first one? Yeah. I I really like Southbound a lot. Although I, I now I'm you know I've only seen it once and I've been talking talking it up ever since. Uh-huh. So I'd like to revisit it. Uh, sure, but I hold out that uh, the right to change my mind. <laughs> but uh, I really liked it, and okay. I didn't realize. Um, well, we'll get to it. we'll get to it actually. Now my other dog wants to go out of the fucking room. Jesus. Oh, all right, Eric's gonna leave us again for a second. Um, yeah, so what else can I tell you about VHS Viral? Um, it would appear to have... I'm leaving this all in. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying to do my best. I'm not the sharpest I've ever been, I'll, I'll be honest. Usually... The sharpest tool <laughs> in the shed. Usually when you leave for a moment, I manage to put together, like, a pretty good roast of you. Sent- <laughs> Um, oh, man. have you caught all of those because i don't know if you i don't think you listened to the whole podcast before you so, uh, i have a uh, yeah this has been a couple times that i have but okay. um i don't know if it's happened recently okay. i may have missed it there, there are times when i'm like well i know he said something yeah uh well but, if the fbi shows up at your house you can, just, you can just tell him i was joking around um <laughs> So anyways, yes, uh, this film was the least successful Mm. of the initial three. And I think some people would say that it killed the franchise. Yeah. uh, Until it was revived uh, seven years later, I think. It was 21. uh, Because we've had one each year, right? 85, 99, 94. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that uh, surprised me. I didn't realize there was such a big gap in between, and it was the like now the numbered ones, like the the year ones now mm-hmm. are like a reboot. Yes, yeah. I mean, not that you need to reboot an anthology, right? Now, yeah, but it is it is it's the new era of VHS. Um, yeah. So this one is the shortest of the three films comes in at a very swift 81 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and because and Eric, you can shed a little light on this cause I didn't watch it, but because there was a segment cut from the film. Yeah. It's also, it's the, it only has uh three complete um, stories. It, not including the frame narrative right yeah uh, so there yeah there was one called um uh, gorgeous vortex gorgeous vortex uh and I, apparently they cut it because it wasn't like thematically in line mm-hmm. with the rest of the movie and wasn't even really found footage mm-hmm. um and yeah i started watching it last night after i finished the movie and i just i didn't finish it okay uh I meant to finish it today, but also I was also, I was also like, "Well, who cares?" Um, <laughs> I wasn't in, I wasn't enjoying it enough to continue. Sure, but also it wasn't so bad that I was like, "Fuck this!" It's just do like, you know how long it was? 
it's like 15 minutes okay yeah and like I, it was getting late when I, I when i'd finished this one i was like well sure sure i'd do something else well that's i think that's totally fine yeah that one was d- directed by todd lincoln the who... president's son <laughs> the, who died tragically um what was his name todd yeah todd lincoln he it's what uh lincoln and the bardo is about the interesting george saunders novel because i know his wife if you drop her first name she's todd lincoln mary todd yeah yeah i think his name was todd todd's a a really funny name yeah (laughs) especially if it's not your whole name yeah (laughs) todd like your middle name is todd because todd is only a whole guy you know robert todd lincoln not him so it's not like a middle name. It's just like you say your name, and then for your middle name, it's like you say the name of a whole other guy. You know what I mean? Uh, no, that's the different way. What the fuck? Mary Todd. Oh, gosh. Well, anyways, Todd Lincoln, uh, the last thing he directed was Gorgeous Vortex. So I guess it crushed his spirit. Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, he had one feature film, I think, before it. And then that was it. So, um, Todd Lincoln, we hardly knew ye. Oh, uh, my God. This what? is embarrassing. Were you wrong about Lincoln's son? <sighs> Willie. Willie mm-hmm. Lincoln. Yeah. Keen, keen-eared listeners of the podcast will remember that there there was a bit of doubt in my voice when I asked if it was, in fact, Todd Lincoln. Yeah, there was. I apologize. Um this is probably one of the most offensive things that we, we've done on the show. <laughs> Let's see if we can top it tonight. Um, okay. So the other segments of VHS viral are directed by Marcel Sarmiento, who does the frame narrative, uh, which is called vicious circles. Um, Marcel, uh, wrote a movie called wrote Ender and directed a movie called Totem, which was a Blumhouse production that went to um, HBO max, max HBO. Now HBO go. I'm, it's hard to say with the timeline. Uh, he had a segment in the ABCs of death, which would uh, link him to some of the other directors in this, in this. Um, he also, uh, directed a movie called dead girl which co-stars a childhood friend of mine who stopped hanging out with me when we were 12 because i wasn't famous what Um, yes in wisconsin (laughs) well no it was in rhode island of all places he lived he lived in manhattan oh okay we became like summer vacation friends the year before i'm not gonna say his name but there's only two stars of this movie, and the person I'm referring to is not named Shiloh. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, basically, we became friends. We spent the whole like whole month of the summer hanging out. We kept in touch, and I ended up going to visit him in Manhattan. Uh, in in between, right? Um, and I financed. The, the trip by um, taking advantage of a friendly wager my mom made with me. Um, I was very, I had, I had qualified for a regional spelling bee. Um, it was my first time and, um, and I was really, really nervous. So to assuage my anxiety, my mom told me she would give me $10 for, 
for each round that I successfully uh, completed. Wow. Uh, and I came in third. No, I came in second, which was like 20, 22 rounds of the wow. spelling bee. And uh, as she would tell the story, um, when I was up on stage, every time I would get a word right, I would use my hands to show the numbers to her of how many rounds I had, <laughs> I had completed. Second yeah. place. Yeah. Some um, people call that first loser. I would I would too. Do you want do you want to guess the um the word that I went out on? How the fuck would I be able to guess that? No, I'm gonna tell Oh, okay. <laughs> like like you were in the spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Just guess of all the words. Um okay. Uh the word uh that I was unable to spell correctly is called is creel. Creel? Yeah. Creel. It refers to a wicker basket for carrying fish. Oh, okay. Uh, is it K-R-E-E-L? That's what I said when I was 12, and I uh, was wrong. It starts C? with a C. Uh, yeah. In my brain, I was like, well, I know krill. They're kind of like fish. Yeah. So I was like, all right, maybe it's just krill, and it's not. It starts with a C. That's tough, yeah, because I feel like it, when I was visualizing it in my head, I was like, I feel like I've seen this on the page, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe I'm just thinking of the movie Crawl. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, this guy kind of blew me off pretty hard. And then we got back in touch when I moved to L.A. I saw him uh, at Bigfoot once uh, when I was working because mm-hmm. he used to hang out with a big group of people that would go to Bigfoot for karaoke, which included folks like Ty West. Ty West. Yeah, I remember um, him going to Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, talented film critic Jen Yamato, who was laid off from the L.A. Times two days ago. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah um other people in that crew uh which is kind of the vhs crew yeah um it all comes back together yeah so anyways this guy um you know he was there and he uh was like oh hey yeah yeah and then he kind of pretended like he didn't know who i was um which kept which was very much in keeping with the way he behaved the last time we had seen each other um but anyways, he wouldn't have a career if he wasn't really good friends with Ryan Johnson. So he just gets a shitty role in every one of his movies. <laughs> I was going to say, um, th- uh, the couple times that I've met Ty West, mm-hmm. always very nice. He was cool. He seemed very cool. Yeah, he's yeah. cool dude. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> who the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> uh, the director of I was Vicious talking Circle? about Sarmiento. Yes, Marcel Sarmiento. Dead girl and faceless. Uh, and his he did D in the ABCs of death. D is for dogfight. Oh, gross. Um, yeah. Our next director uh, who did the first segment called Dante the Great is a gentleman by the name of Greg Bishop. Uh, if you look him up on Wikipedia, he looks like a football player. Um, hmm. He's from Georgia. He went to USC where he came to some acclaim. Uh, by writing and directing a short film with Kay Kwan, uh, who produced and shot it. Uh, they were friends. I assume they still are friends. I started um, laughing because I was going to say he directs like a, like a football player also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, though. I'm kidding. Though. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, yes. The, what, the thing that Wikipedia wants you to know about his short film, which was called Voodoo, is uh, it screens – it is one of three films – that screen for USC incoming film students. The other two are 
THX 1138 by George Lucas and The Lift by Robert Zemeckis. Jesus, that's so, pretty impressive. Yeah, obviously it was considered to be a very good student film. Uh, I've never seen it. Um, rich. Yeah, then he did uh, some other, he did like a parody Angry Birds movie. Um, and the last thing that he directed in 2016 was the aforementioned Siren, the spinoff from the first VHS. Yeah, so I didn't realize uh, in our limited research of those that mm-hmm. it wasn't Dave Bruckner who directed Siren. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to mention earlier. Yeah, um, I guess yeah. I, I, I never clarified. Um, you know what else is funny? Wikipedia uh, has a disambiguation note for the American football player, see Greg Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> uh an nfl player Anyways. one of the same if you ask me <laughs> i don't no. um never do the second segment parallel monsters was directed by a spaniard by the name of nacho vigalando <laughs> what i don't know calling somebody a spaniard is just it just hits the ear wrong even though i think it's right it's, to, it's correct what What's wrong with being a, a Spaniard? Spaniard. <laughs> that's what that's that's what I you know, call I, know, a just, it, I don't know. It just sounds. It's directed by a, a Spaniard. <laughs> like I just, I can't believe they let a Spaniard in here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, Nacho Vigalando uh, is somebody whose name I think some folks will be familiar with. He has uh, a pretty interesting resume. Uh, he came to fame, I think, especially like across uh, the pond here by directing his first feature called Time Crimes or Los Chrono Crimenes. Yes, um, I like the movie. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it in a long time, but I liked it too. I thought it was cool. Um, he did an ABCs of Death. He did this. And then he made a big splash in the US. He directed the film Colossal, which is the sort of sci-fi comedy where Anne Hathaway it has a telepathic link with a kaiju and oh, I've never right. seen that one I never saw it either I've heard it's good I meant to see it because I like time crimes yeah um so you know that's a thing that he did and then he's been kind of uh, a little quiet since then he did a movie called Paradise Hills but no he didn't even direct that he just wrote it so Remember- check in with us Nacho what have you been up to that was the time when we were unnecessarily, as a society, being mean to Anne Hathaway. Yeah, I never knew what that was about. I never really knew what that was about either. Uh, but now it seems like the pendulum has swung the other way and people are appreciating appreciating her again. And I've always liked her. I'll, I'm going to say I've All always right. been an Anne Hathaway defender. Okay. You were always on the I'm, right side of history. I also think that Margot Robbie uh, and Greta Gerwig should have been nominated for Bar- for Barbie. <laughs> I cool. saw. I saw. Um, yeah, let's open a dialogue about that. I saw a tweet today that was, mm. you know, this the the uh, Bradley Whitford scene from Get Out. Yeah, where he's like, I only wish I could have nominated uh, Margot Robbie <laughs> and Greta Gerwig for three Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In case uh, in case somebody was curious, there was a, a woman nominated for Best Director. And uh, it sounds like her movie is probably better than Barbie. Um, but I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say. 
What movie was it? I'm, I'm Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, I haven't seen it yet either. Justine Trier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to see it very much. It's 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 second on my list of must see to judge the best films of the year. Yeah. I got to see that um, too. Yeah. Last segment uh, of the film Bone Storm, mm-hmm. which is a name I either deliberately or coincidentally lifted from a video game in the simpsons oh yeah which i heard it and i was like that's a that's a ripoff this is nothing like bone storm you i know bone storm and you sir are no bone storm <laughs> that's right directed by justin benson and aaron scott moorhead who i would say challenge adam wingard as the most successful alumni of the vhs franchise yes i i'm a fan of their work i haven't seen their last one it's on my list but uh, yeah I like, is it The Ritual? No, no, no. It's uh, Resolution. Yes. Resolution was their first feature. That was actually two years before this. Okay, Um, yeah. And then uh, they've done a number of features since. None of them, I think, are super famous, but they made a transition to television, uh, and they have been uh, working with Marvel since 2022. They directed a few episodes of the series Moon Knight and mm. did well enough that uh, uh, Kevin Feige and the folks over there saw fit to put them in charge of Loki season two. So they oh. were the showrunners and director directors of Loki. Uh, That's fun. Which um, I haven't seen the second season. And they are also the creators of the forthcoming Daredevil Born Again series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I saw that that was a thing. Um I didn't realize they were involved. Yeah, there's another movie that I watched of theirs called The Endless mm-hmm. that I liked. Um, and I think there, I haven't. There's a third one. You know, spoiler. Uh, Resolution, The Endless are connected, and I think there's another Ooh. movie that's also connected. I'm gonna guess it's Synchronic based on the posters. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe it's Spring. Is it, did they do that one? Well, that's uh, that's not in that. the middle. Romantic body horror film. Okay, no, 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 it's not that. Then, yeah, I think it's. That I think it's kind of fun. I like the idea of romantic body horror. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So those guys are are doing well for themselves. Um, and uh, one of them is my age, and the other one is four years younger. So good for them. Gotta love it. <laughs> Do I? Gotta love it. Do I? Gotta love it. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Uh, there is no one famous in any of these. No. Um, there are probably close to a hundred names listed in the cast. And again, Wikipedia is not the end all be all, but amongst those 100 odd people, there are, um, eight who have Wikipedia pages. Um, it's a lot of black text. Um, (laughs) and I, yeah, the, the, um, the only person that I had ever seen before in anything is Justin Wellborn who plays Dante the Great. Okay. Um, Cuz he had a small role on I think two episodes of Justified. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't recognize him. Apparently before. he was in The Final Destination. Is that the one that opens with the NASCAR shit? Uh, or was that Final Destination 3? No, that's not 3. 3 is a roller coaster, right? Yes, three is the roller coaster. Yeah, that might be the NASCAR. Yes, this one. this opens with the NASCAR stuff. So I think I could be wrong. Oh, here. is he the racist? He might be the racist. 
Justin Wilma, Carter Daniels. Hold on. I'm looking. Yeah, he's the racist tow truck driver. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like, dies first, I think. Yeah, he does. So, uh, seen him. In, see, we've, we've seen him before, folks. Uh, shame on you if you didn't recognize him. Yeah. Uh, the movie was released to bad reviews. Um, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. 4.1 Metacritic. Uh, no, sorry. 338. 3.8 out of 10. Um... Yeah, people were not super hyped on this, and uh, it appears to have made only about $350,000 between theatrical and VOD. Hmm. So that's not good. No. Um, so that may have been a large contributing factor to the seven-year gap between this and the next VHS movie. Yeah, and it didn't even make my money because I watched it on Tubi. <laughs> You're badass. What did you watch it on? Uh, I watched it on... I had it on a streamer that uh, didn't have commercials. What was it? Did you have to rent it? No. It was huh. like Hulu or something. Oh, was it? Yeah, you always go to to Tubi first. Oh, you're a glutton for punishment. That's my first choice. Mm, even with the commercials. Yeah, I love it. You love the commercials? I do. I like the commercials. See, if they were real... Yeah, it's on Hulu and Prime. Um, huh. If they were real commercials, I would be with you. But the thing is, in the today's day and age, you get five commercials repeated at every commercial break. And yeah. that shit drives me crazy. Do you know what it, why it doesn't drive me crazy? And this is very specific to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, commercial, because I'm usually writing something. I'm usually writing like a death or something. Okay. So the commercials give me a chance to finish sure. what I'm typing okay. without having to pause. That checks out. Yeah. And then other times, if I'm just like watching some bullshit movie, just like for fun, mm-hmm. it gives me a chance to look at my phone without like. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll s- I obviously won't watch like a Criterion level film <laughs> on Tubi. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I-, I kind of appreciate it for trash. No. Uh, not that. Is this trash or not? We'll see. In the next segment, right? Right after this. Where did you find that tape? A secret compartment. He recorded everything. See on YouTube. Welcome to the show. Keep going, keep going. We can edit that out. Okay, we are back for the second segment in which we talk about our thoughts of the film. Blood and Guts check. Uh, this is a first time watch for both Price and I. Mm. I'll just go ahead and, uh, and say mine. I think as a whole, didn't like this one. Mm. <laughs> it didn't mm. really work for me. But I think there is one segment that I thought was great. Mm. Um, 
So we'll we'll get to that. Uh, in 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 general, my thoughts are uh the theme, if you want to call it a theme, is kind of lame. Mm-hmm. The execution is all pretty low rent feeling, and uh, most of these weren't even horror or they weren't even scary. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Price, what what were your thoughts on uh? VHS viral. Um, okay, so one thing that I think, you know, context, if you're not going to watch it, it's like because of the way this one is put together uh, and the fact that there are only three proper segments, the, the, the frame narrative has a much bigger role to play. Yes, it does. Um, it feels like the most substantial part of the movie. It, and I would yeah. say it's not even a frame narrative. It's just a story to keep coming back to. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause it doesn't really have shit to do with, you know, the other stories. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll get to that when we, when we talk through each segment, it'll maybe make a little sense, but I'll be honest, even watching the movie, it doesn't make that much sense. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think, um, there's more bad than good here, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think that I was probably a little more favorable towards one of the other three, other four segments, if we count the frame narrative, yeah. than you. But I would say that, yes, there was one segment that I liked uh, and I'm glad was in this movie. And then there was one segment that I found entertaining enough and it didn't annoy me yeah i think i agree with that there there was so the problem with this one is that there's only three story four stories yeah and so one of them i think is really good one of them i thought was enjoyable Mm -hmm. and then the other two i just didn't like very much yeah i agree with that um so let's get into it okay the first part Vicious Circles, the prologue, directed by Marcel Sarmiento, written by T.J. Kimfell, David White, and Marcel Sarmiento. Kevin, an amateur videographer, constantly shoots footage of his girlfriend, Iris. You get what they're doing there? It's a part of the camera. Mm. <laughs> Name's Iris. At first, she claims to enjoy it, but then grows annoyed and concerned with her boyfriend's obsession with filming her. It also becomes apparent that Kevin uses his videography as a coping mechanism for living with his abusive grandmother, who at one point bloodies his nose off screen. This is a grown man, by the way. Yeah, this is like a 28-year-old man. Yeah. who Maybe older. Abusive grandmother. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's, it's uh, an insane idea. Yeah. One of my notes was, how fucking old is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Later that night, the high-speed pursuit of an ice cream truck arrives in his neighborhood. Kevin witnesses the chase as if it is broadcast on no, no as sorry, it as it is broadcast on television, and sees the opportunity to create a viral video. He's desperate for viral viral videos. He wants he to is. make one. He's too late to shoot footage watching the truck speed past his house, though he sees Iris wander outside in the days after receiving a mysterious video call then disappear when his back is turned. After witnessing the truck run over a cop that had asked him to back away from the road, Kevin chases after the truck, 
egged on by images of a panicking Iris broadcast to his cell phone. Kevin continued, Kevin's continued pursuit of the truck as it repeatedly circles the neighborhood carries on throughout the film, which, uh, during which people receive strange images on their cell phones that cause them to become violently insane. Okay. Okay. Um, that was an interesting note because we learned that in future segments. Yeah, yeah. It's not really something that happens here. Uh, my notes on this, yes, were like, wait, how old is he? He's getting abused by his grandmother? <laughs> also, I think the only nudity in the... Is his grandmother. Is his grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Which I did think was pretty funny. It was funny, but also you would hope there would be more. Yeah. Especially his girlfriend's very sexy. There's like it's kind of sexy at the beginning. Like the way they're like she's like filming her and they're like flirting with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in the LA River Basin. They are, yeah. It's I've pointed it out every time it appears on film, but close to my house. Um Yeah, and he just he's desperate. I just think it's so lame that he's like, Haven't you ever wanted to be part of something bigger? And he's talking about getting a viral video, which is like, no, nobody ever remembers the makers of viral videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's sort of like the lamest thing about this whole movie is that a couple, I guess really this one, arguably all of them want to be viral except for the the Spanish one. Mm -hmm. But it is about like people's need to be a viral star and how connected yeah. we are to our phones and cameras. <sighs> uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, I have, I have sort of like a, um, overarching complaint about this. And I'm wondering if now is the right time to discuss it or at the end or somewhere in the middle up to you. We can move on. Um, yeah, let's wait for now. I will just say that I was unimpressed by this opening segment. Yeah, but it is the opening segment. So it wasn't alarming watching it. It wasn't like, uh oh, we're in for. Yeah, it's like, well, whatever. The other two opening segments were also not very good. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with this one. Yeah. Uh, then we have Dante the Great directed and written by Greg Bishop. This segment is partially framed as an investigative documentary which interviews magic experts, theater critics, law enforcement officials, and the main character inter- interspersed throughout the story. John McMullen, a trailer park resident and untalented illusionist, discovers a cloak that was once owned by Harry Houdini. John discovers th- that wearing the cloak grants him the power to perform actual magic. Talking on this, uh, taking on the stage name Dante the Great, John uses his newfound abilities to perform in front of large audiences, becoming immensely famous. All right, already, I can see they're going to leave a lot of stuff out in this write-up. So let's just talk briefly about the tricks, right? So it's like it, the cloak works in part as like a teleporter. Yeah, it's like a teleporter. Right. But then there's also it can make fire. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's something living within it, it seems. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's all suggested pretty early on. You see like kind of human shapes moving around underneath the cloak, even though yeah. there's nothing, nothing there. It can kind of do whatever. <laughs> it seems that way. It's almost like in service of the what the story needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it also is funny when a magician in a movie becomes really famous, like in uh, Lord of Illusions. <laughs> just like, I don't Swan. know. There's just something so funny to me about like the most famous guy in the world is a magician. <laughs> I mean, hey, there was a time. I guess so. Yeah. In our own in our own United States, when one of the most famous people in the world was a magician. You're right. Uh, however, John learns that the cloak requires regular human sacrifices to work. To that end, he hires a series of female assistants and videotapes them as he utters an incantation and watches the cloak devour them. Oh, also, it should point, be pointed out that this is told at the beginning from uh, the point of view of one of his, his latest assistants, Scarlet, mm. um, who tips off law enforcement, like a SWAT team, to a cache of VHS tapes he has hidden in a wall that mm-hmm. are all footage of him killing these people. Yeah, I wouldn't keep those tapes. I would not keep those tapes either, especially since he's not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I guess maybe he is, but he's not like, a, you know, he's not getting off on killing people in the way that like a Jeffrey Dahmer is. Right. Like he's like presumably he's like, yeah. presumably. So why is he saving these tapes? I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's a little fucking pervert <laughs> cranking his wiener. Um, he also uses his powers to summon and kill Clay Boland, the abusive boyfriend of Scarlett K, his latest assistant. When Scarlet discovers John's collection of tapes in a secret compartment in his dressing room, okay, here we go. She alerts the police, though John is able to use his powers to escape custody. Yeah, just to to support what Eric was saying, the thing is, is this this recap is is written in chronological order, but it is not presented to the audience that way. Yeah. So it's like we meet Scarlet giving him away to the cops at the beginning of this segment. Yes. As she is interrogated by a detective, John uses his newfound powers to summon her from the police station. A SWAT team bursts in to arrest John, but John manages to use his magic to kill all of them. He proceeds to duel with Scarlet over the magic cloak, though Scarlet is briefly able to take it from him. John overpowers her and recovers it. Before John can kill her, Scarlet uses a trick he taught her to immobilize him, prompting the the cloak to feed on him instead. Scarlet burns the cloak only to find a, only to find it in her house, hanging on her closet door. As she investigates it, a pair of giant shattered arms reach out from inside the cloak and grab her. Gonna reach out and grab ya. Abracadabra. Hey, it's it Whoa. Fits. Yeah. Do you think do you think he based this movie off that song? I hope so. Um Mike, what'd you think of uh Dante the Great? Well, this is the segment that I hinted at as being entertaining, but not like particularly impressive. Yeah. Um, so I thought this was, it's fun enough. It's the, the, you know, that's the first thing I'll say is that it's, it wants to mostly be kind of fun. Um, yes. Which I think helps it coast a little more than if it was trying to be something scarier or more intense yeah it's there's a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of vibe to the whole thing it's an interesting start to a, a uh antholo- horror anthology mm-hmm. movie because it's not really a horror story per no, se you get, yeah outside of the cloak at the very end which has sort of horror vibes that's i mean yeah it's it's like a thriller maybe yeah it's like a murderous magician but it's not yeah. like gory really i mean one mm-hmm. part of it is um 
and I'll say the tone is took me a second to like get used to. Yeah. Uh, because it is like fairly comedic and the people who are playing like the experts are yeah. like pretty young. Mm-hmm. And it, so it kind of takes on VHS problem, classic VHS problem. It kind of takes on the feeling of like a funnier die video. You're like right. It does. Yeah. Something from that era. Yeah. It feels like a mockumentary that just decided to be like a little bit horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, but which, y- yeah, I, I do agree that it was fun. Like in some of yeah. the magician specifics, like when he's killing the SWAT team members at the end, mm-hmm. like he yeah. throws them on a bed of nails, like he lights one on fire. Like they're pretty funny. And yeah. like, you know, and clever, um, there's a cleverness to that whole sequence. I mean, I think yeah. the whole thing has a bit of a cleverness to it where it's like they don't they don't waste the opportunity to like use the fact that he's an illusionist and a magician. Right. Yeah. It's like that is baked into the DNA of the short itself, which I think is is well done, at least that part. Um, I would also say that for a VHS anthology segment, the acting's not too bad. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, like the lead guy in this, like I said, is the only person I've ever seen acting in anything else. Sort of makes sense because he's 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 not great, but he's fine, and he has a lot to do. You know? Yeah. Wait, I made a note. Mm-hmm. Where was it? Oh yeah, in this one, the man on the street testimonials mm-hmm. that the people like it's like people who have like experienced right. Dante's shows. Those actually might be the best acting in <laughs> any of the VHS movies I've seen thus far. They feel like real on the street testimonials. Yeah, they, yeah. they're kind of like like. It was like, wow, people are actually sound convincing. Yeah. Um, they probably just watched a bunch of um, David Blaine. Yes, probably. I, I think that's just probably do right. this. Yeah. Um, it, the, it does fully break the found footage aspect. Yes. And and Greg Bishop talks about that. I He had what I would call a pretty informative behind the scenes feature. It's like eight minutes long. It's on YouTube. And he kind of talked about how they shot a lot of it, a lot of something that I really appreciate, which you, I don't think you get from a lot of BTS stuff is he talks about the reasoning behind a lot of decisions that were made. Um, so when I say informative, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, you get how they ended up doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was sort of saying, he basically just said, you know, I started out like I wanted to do something a little different than found footage. And I said, well, maybe we can kind of marry it with, documentary style Mm -hmm. and do that and then he was like and then at the end we kind of just dropped that because i feel like the the point is sort of that once once she's back stage again and the final confrontation happening he's like we've kind of caught up on the story so now it's just like movie world and you know i noticed it but also like i don't know it's not like it bothered me i'm not i'm not um yeah i'm I'm not not like like super attached to like this must be found footage because i again it's like found footage is is not a feature for me necessarily but it's right. not you know it, it doesn't sync these things either but yeah yeah i'm not as much i'm not such a found footage like fucking i'm not dogmatic about it <laughs> like, whatever yeah yeah <laughs> good because uh this movie will drive you insane if uh-huh. you are <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah like yes you point that out and like this is 
I would say that this is not the least adherent to found footage rules of the of the four segments. Um, yeah, but other than that, I thought, you know, again, it's like slightly better than average, which is okay. It fills it fills a, a quarter of the time in this movie and it does it without it did it without making me uh upset. <laughs> Yeah, or, wa- or wanting to actively turn the movie off. So, small victory there. All right, up next we have Vicious Circles Interlude 1. Returning to the frame story, Kevin and the police continue pursuing the truck. He's like, fuck, he's, he's on the stupid bike, like Josh Brolin in the Goonies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's just chasing this ice cream truck and these cops and... At high Some, speed. Yeah, this high speed chase, but he is keeping up on a bicycle that's too small for him. A group of teenagers attempt to film the chase from atop a nearby bridge with one of them staring uh, at his phone in a trance while his nose bleeds. Another one of the teenagers ends up slipping and falling from the bridge when he gets too close, being run over in the process. I think he also probably died from the fall. Yeah, I think so. It seems like he's dead. Yeah, he's definitely dead for sure. When he falls, I mean, yeah. Kevin I mean, is at hal- the end, he's, he's definitely, definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Kevin is halted by a group of cyclists, but they end up helping him pursue the truck when one of them is caught on it. That was a crazy noise. Did you hear that? Jesus, Eric, are oh you all God. right? What oh. was that? It's because we invoked her name, the Blair Witch herself. We spoke of the curse and she came. We have a new curse upon us. Oh, no. I don't even know if that happens. All right. So to let our listeners in on what happened here, we recorded all of segment two yesterday. Mm. Last night, yeah. Last night. and then, You were with us until just moments ago. But I continued, and then mm. I had an alert on my, the, on my garage band that something was wrong. And I was like, oh, shit, I stopped recording. And then Mike looked. He's like, wait, I had stopped recording. And we're like, well, how far in? Like 17 minutes into segment two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So I don't know if we talked about how we had a cursed episode before, but it came I up. I think we did, yeah. I think it was in the first segment. It was in the first segment. Okay. Well, she struck again. Same thing happened. Yeah. So we, we lost more than half of segment two. Yeah. So we're coming back to you the very next day. The sun is out, so I think we're safe from her. I hope so. I mean. But you got to finish editing this episode before it gets dark. Yeah. God, don't even scare me like that. Okay, let's continue. Okay. Um, Kevin is halted by a group of cyclists, but they end up helping him pursue the truck when one of them is caught on it, has his feet shredded to the bone, and is ultimately killed. Despite this, Kevin continues his mission to save Iris. Okay. That's Vicious Circles Interlude 1. What did we say about this last? I don't remember. <laughs> I know I said that the uh, the skit, like the grinding of the feet. Yeah, you liked that. I liked it. It was really hard to watch and super brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think previous to this, you said he's chasing him like Josh Brolin does in uh, yeah in the Goonies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I said it's just it's kind of hard to know what's happening and why it's happening, yeah. and also there's so many cameras everywhere. Like everybody has cameras mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think we also talked about how this the second segment of the frame narrative is right it's like before the turn where this is going to yeah. lose us as viewers yes so exactly here for that yeah yeah so like at this point when i'm watching the movie i'm like okay well we'll see where it goes mm-hmm. um so then this is something i was going to insert after don't need to now okay the next segment parallel monsters yeah gets our watch approval uh, uh so right yes we, we right because we didn't want to before it was going to be a spoiler we were going to roll right into this talking about parallel monsters yes but if you are like on the fence about watching the movie i i, I think we were saying we wouldn't even really advocate for you to watch the whole movie no would watch this segment watch this segment because we're gonna spoil it it is spoilable mm-hmm. um and you know spoiler <laughs> We both like it, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Parallel Monsters, written and directed by Nacho Vigalando. In Spain, Alfonso, an inventor, works late on his newest project, promising his wife Marta that he will come to bed soon. His project is revealed to be a prototype interdimensional portal. Upon activating the portal, it opens to reveal what appears to be his garage. Alfonso witnesses a copy of himself look at him from the other side, revealing that the portal has successfully opened a gateway to a parallel world. The two versions of Alfonso cautiously greet each other, overcome by curiosity, and discover that they appear to be completely identical. The two agree to trade places and cross through the portal with their own cameras to explore and document each other's worlds for 15 minutes. Um... As Alfonso explores the alternate version of his house, it would seem that the two worlds are exact mirror du- mirrored duplicates. Um, so before one thing I noted, I'm going to note this is all just happening for the first time. Uh, <laughs> he encounters like a weird piece of art hanging on the staircase. Yes, uh, in his apartment, where in his version, it's a wedding photo of him and his wife Marta. In yeah. this version, it's a hanging bloody bag of organs on like a pentagram. We don't know it's organs yet. But yeah, it's we don't a know. Bloody it's bag, yet. and it looks like it's full of something meat-ish. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, start to feel like, hmm, what's going on here? Alfonso then encounters a parallel version of Marta, who introduces him to two men, both named Oriol. They're both in their underwear. It seems like a threesome's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the living room, a pornographic film snuff film they call it in this i don't know it's like a person burning out a steak i guess it is a snuff. and then film. there's like orgasmic noises but we yes. never see we never see anything portrayed that actually seems like a snuff film but you infer it's 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 troubling right uh plays on the television and a sack of organs is displayed in the center of the room the parallel marta prompts alfonso to perform a ceremony with the orioles Disturbed, Alfonso leaves the house and witnesses a large blimp with an inverted cross that blares demonic chanting, revealing that the two worlds hold different, differing dominant religions. Yes. When he and attempts... We, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say another note we made yesterday that I think was worth repeating is that this ramps much more gradually than maybe it sounds. Yeah. There's like, like a whole awkward, stressful thing where like the, everybody's kind of looking at each other. Like mm-hmm. the, the people from this world, the Orioles and Marta are like, okay, well it's your, my husband likes to go first. So you go first. And yeah, it's just like this, like fish out of water. Like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Very tense. Yeah. 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 It's cool. And then the two Orioles are like, okay, this guy doesn't seem into it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when he attempts to record the blimp, he gets spotted by the two Orioles who they say who chase Alfonso before catching him. Really, it's more of like they're like, oh, he came out to find us. Yeah. Want to play by with us? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's still got horny vibes. Yes. Um, their eyes and mouth turn bright red and one of the Orioles takes his pants off to reveal that he has a fanged creature in place of a penis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It looks like a puppet. Uh, I would compare it to uh, like, you know, in, in Tremors, how the Graboids have like the the smaller yeah. tentacle kind of mouths inside their mouth. Um, it's a little bit like that, but instead the tip of it, as you pointed out, Eric, it does have like a head, like a glands, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's like super veiny. Not just in a penis way, but like in a kind of creepy creature way. And it has wispy gray hairs all over yeah. it. Um, and it is a hand puppet. It's definitely, that's how they achieved the effect. Yeah. Uh, back in the normal world, the parallel Alfonso discovers Marta asleep, growing aroused and taking photos of her before unveiling his own monstrous genitalia, scaring Marta awake. In the parallel world, Alfonso manages to stab the Oriole penis with a screwdriver and flees back to his house where the parallel Marta takes off her robe to reveal that she has a similarly demonic vagina. Do you want to describe her demonic vagina? Yeah, it's almost like you described it as like two hands intertwined with each other, like clawed hands Mm -hmm. um, that open up to reveal like another mouth within like a toothy mouth vagina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With maybe even other layers under that. Yeah, yeah. And it sits high it sits a little higher. Yeah. It starts like the it opens up around her belly button, but yes. it does go all the way down to the base of her crotch. Yeah. Um the parallel oh, terrified, Alfonso punches her and flees back to his world. The parallel Alfonso, covered in blood after his encounter with Marta, stabs his normal self. The parallel, the evil Marta, appears and devours the evil Alfonso with her fanged vagina before the original Alfonso closes the portal. And she cites a law in their universe regarding domestic violence. Yes. Uh, Sort of like some sort of satanic law, one would infer. That, like, this is the proper sort of uh, retribution for domestic violence is to i guess kill yeah <laughs> kill the offender with your demon vagina yeah with your horrible genitalia yeah uh marta real mart well good marta appears and mistakenly believing that alfonso attacked her begins furiously stabbing him as he pleads for her to stop i say good marta i mean obviously in the other world what is good what's what's bad sure There's- she's she could be a real normie yeah um okay so 
Parallel Monsters. I really like this one. Mm-hmm. It's fucking tense. It's really it's shot well. Yes. Yeah. I'd say probably the best shot of all of them. It looks like a real movie. You know. Mm, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Any what are what are some of your thoughts on um, Monsters? I also really liked it. I think that um, it, despite being very weird, it is also a very clean, short concept. Yeah. Um, it feels very much like a, like a well-executed brief episode of The Outer Limits or Twilight Zone or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a neat package, uh, and just with the choices, and especially once we get into like the demon genitalia and stuff. You can just tell that Vigalondo has like a, a like a really creative point of view. Like he has a distinctive voice. Yeah. That um you know he visually it's it's well done, but I would say he's he's like a he's one of those people who makes you sit up and pay attention because it's like, well, this guy's doing something different. Yes. You know, with with his storytelling and and sort of the concept here. There's something like it starts cool, like mm-hmm. just, just the fact that there's like a mirrored parallel universe yeah. that's slightly different, and then you find out more and more that it's very different. That's right. a really cool idea. And then the whole like body horror aspect with like the weird genitalia, yeah, is also really cool and wild. And there's something really stressful about being an outsider in this world where like everybody's like, okay, do the thing. And you're like, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what the thing is. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It, it's just, it, I like this one quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I also like, there's even subtle things that I picked up on this. This is now like I watched it and then we've talked about it twice now. And, it, and, you know, in terms of like the mirrored universes, there is a little misdirection because it's the quote unquote normal Alfonso is the one who really seems to be pushing that like crossing over into the other one's universe and that they, it's his idea that they should go into each other's universes, even though it ultimately ends up that like parallel universe Alfonso seemingly is like the more devious of the two, but it's all normal Alfonso's idea. Yes. Yeah. All right, moving on to Vicious Circles Interlude 2. Returning from the, to the frame story, Kevin continues to pursue the truck as it continues to circle the neighborhood, begging the police to help him save Iris. Meanwhile, a group of Hispanic gangbangers are holding a barbecue to celebrate one of their own being released from prison. Seeing the police helicopter that has been broadcasting the chase, one of them assumes that his girlfriend has turned on him. Suddenly, the music playing on the radio warps and turns operatic, causing the guests of the guest of honor to become violent and murder the others by stabbing them with forks. This is a little misleading, I'm it realizing. Is. Because the inciting incident is the people at the grill are fighting. Yes. And we don't see it happen, but the grill fork that's being wielded by the shitty guy in this ends up impaling the top of the dog's head yeah this little cute dog on his yeah. lap mm-hmm. yeah and it looks shitty thankfully it doesn't look more realistic yeah and the dog's like still awake and yeah like kind of looking around yeah um that's what sets off the parolee you're right but then he does murder everyone as the truck and kevin pass it is revealed that a gas tank has ruptured in the chaos causing the party to go up in an enormous fireball 
All right. What'd you think of this one? Um, this one's mostly confusing mm-hmm. because it is, it does not, it's, it's like hard to tell if it even is connected to the frame narrative. It almost yeah. feels like the director or writer of the frame narrative was like, we should get to do a little one. And so this is like their 92nd version of one of these shorts. Yeah. Um, also like I, I had said to you before, um, the content and the and the way it's handled made me sort of rush over to Wikipedia to make sure that uh, the director or someone involved was Latino and it's it would appear that way, but it's like not a subtle portrayal at all. No, it, it's confusing because all right, yeah. So there's this whole idea that this viral video is pe- making people go crazy, which we, you know, are sort of picking up on, although it's still mm-hmm. not. Uh, absolutely clear what's happening yeah but it is just like the side story that is silly happening and the tone of it is just all very strange yeah and it's this one is a little bit um what's i keep forgetting the word i want to use something between chaotic and aggressive and loud cacophonous or yeah yeah it just it really gets in your face which i think is sort of the case with most of these frame narrative segments yeah so this is where it's the frame narratives for me like start to turn and like okay well mm-hmm. maybe we'll take it home we'll see yeah um it is worth noting that at least the frame narratives in this one are doing more than the others have in the past two movies it's true it's more ambitious yeah if nothing else successful i don't know we'll see mm, yeah uh, next up, Bone Storm, directed by Justin. I almost said Doug Benson. Justin Benson and Aaron Scott Moorhead, written by he Justin. He does Benson. love movies. He does. Jason and Danny are a pair of skateboarders in Los Angeles who perform various stunts in the hopes of creating an epic skateboard video. The videographer they hired, Taylor, pushes them into increasingly dangerous circumstances in the hopes that they injure or kill themselves. So he can film the aftermath and sell it as a snuff film. After they start a fight at a local skate park, the skaters become bored. Taylor suggests uh, they continue to the they continued the film shoot to Tijuana, remembering that he heard about a prime skateboarding location for them to finish their video. Taylor calls. Um, oh, I lost my place. Sorry. Taylor calls out to their uh, Taylor calls their friend Sean and ropes him into joining him in their trip to Mexico uh, by getting him to pay for everything with his dad's credit card. After enjoying themselves and buying fireworks, the skaters subsequently become lost and run into a mysterious woman. Once they find a suitable place, an old flood channel, Taylor encourages them to perform more stunts. When one of the skateboarders injures himself and bleeds on a large pentagram drawn on the ground, his blood quickly boils despite the apparent normal temperature of the pavement on which the pentagram is drawn. (laughs) The skaters uh, discover the woman they met earlier standing nearby. As Taylor introduces himself and offers to help her, she suddenly tears his arm off. Immediately (laughs) Immediately after, a group of cloaked cultists who were using the channel as a site for demonic worship discover the skaters and attack them. The skateboarders manage to kill the cultists, though Taylor is sent on fire by exposure to the blood of one of the cultists, which spontaneously ignites, while Sean is stabbed by another cultist and bleeds out during the fight. As a demonic sound roars, 
as a demonic roar sounds, <laughs> the dead cultists rise as reanimated skeletons and mount a second attack. During the second attack, Jason and Danny use the fireworks they brought earlier uh, to destroy several of the skeletons. The two proceed to skate back toward the border as the creature the cultists were attempting to summon appears from a storm drain. He picks up and kills the wounded tailor by eating him along with his camera. You only see the creature's foot. Pretty sure, yes. Yeah. Bone Storm. I found Bone Storm to be uh, pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's really chaotic. It's the most, like, cacophonous, to use your word. Sure, yeah, um, absolutely. Segment of this one. And it's, like, also the tone it's like it's very lighthearted and in comedic you're like you're watching like a jackass horror movie basically mm-hmm. um and i mean there are parts of it that i did find kind of funny like the helmet cams the angle of like just their faces right which i i was mostly annoyed by because i was like i don't understand what this is for exactly because it yeah. doesn't give you a particularly good view of the person's face even it's no, like their, it's faces, their funny... faces all look stupid <laughs> yeah and that's kind of why i liked it because yeah yeah they look makes them look stupid yeah um but it's like okay this is a horror anthology and this is like the third funny se- well not nah, it's a second funny segment mm-hmm. yeah. so it's like i don't know what are we doing exactly yeah i mean also it's just like i mean it's i think that eternal challenge of funny horror is it's it's not scary and it's not that funny so it yeah. gets lost in the big you know swamp in the middle right it's like you have to be funnier or scarier more like a horror movie um yeah i didn't enjoy this i found it by far yeah like the most annoying sort of in terms of the things we've complained about in the past where it's like fran it's like chaotic hard to tell what's going on it's very loud they're always talking um Always swearing, too. Oh, yes. Always swearing. And it's like the characters are barely there. And the ones that are memorable are memorable because they're annoying. Um, and then I think, you know, it's funny because we talked about this at the outset. These guys, Benson and Moorhead, are doing very well for themselves, directing high-profile stuff. But this yeah. feels the most amateurish of all of the segments. Yeah, it does. Like, it feel, it yeah. feels like something you do with your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, and I guess in that in that sense, okay, sure, maybe they're saying, yeah, we want to do something that evokes like skate videos. But the thing is, is it's like it doesn't feel like, oh man, a skate video captured something crazy. It feels like people with the talent level to make skate videos made a fictional movie with a bunch of like cultists and skeletons that are yeah. wearing rubber masks from the Halloween store. Um, and the one thing, my pet peeve crossing over from action movies that, that really bugged me was just like that, that phenomenon when, you know, your action hero is, is, you know, hand to hand combat is surrounded by like a huge number of opponents, but they all wait in a circle to come at him like one by one. So, yeah. so he can dispatch each one instead of doing, the logical thing which would be to just collapse on him at once and then there's nothing you can do and this this movie is like there's like seven minutes of that that's just kids hitting cultists with skateboards and oh yeah and the one kid has uh you know a pistol that apparently has 
42 rounds in it. Um, the VFX on this one are especially bad too. Yeah. Like they're yeah. not even trying to make it seem realistic. It looks like a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. It's just not a lot of positive things to offer. No. Vicious Circles Interlude 3. Returning to the frame, the frame story, the news broadcasting the chase is warning that several fires have broken out across the city. Kevin still continues to chase the truck, at one point encountering a woman in a trance with her nose bleeding. Kevin tries to get a taxi cab to stop, but the driver refuses to. The driver also helps his friend, a porn director, film a strip tease with a young woman in the backseat. Not sure that the... the person is just a taxi driver he's getting yeah, paid to he's do getting it. paid to do it suddenly the woman pulls a gun on him revealing that the director had previously sold pornographic footage of her by her ex and the exposure had apparently ruined her life she forces him to strip by threatening to shoot his crotch the director fights back strangling her but all three are killed when a police car flips through the air and crushes the taxi maybe they're killed we don't know yeah, we, we just, don't really we know just see sure. the police car hurtling towards the camera and then everything goes uh, so vicious circles interlude three this is one i was like why the fuck is this even here and then i realized yeah. it's because the movie's 81 minutes and they already lost a segment mm-hmm. so it feels like they had to use it yeah it's also like you, it's so glaring because it's like you have you have your three actual segments surrounded by frame narrative and then there's just two separate pieces of the frame narrative one after the other at the end and yeah. it's literally like they didn't even try to cover the fact that there used to be another short in here and then we cut it out, but we didn't do any re-editing whatsoever to accommodate the change. And you had mentioned this on top of that. It's like, this is, has zero redeeming value. Mm -hmm. It's not connected to the frame narrative in any way. No, it is not scary. It is not particularly shocking. It feels very, very cliche the performances are not they're they're annoying yeah creepy annoying yeah it's a little pervy it's just like it has zero redeeming qualities i think yeah it's it's and like you said it doesn't have anything to do with the narrative of the vicious circles other than thematically it's about how virality with a viral video can like ruin your life or something yeah um vicious circles epilogue at dawn kevin finally catches up to the truck and as you pointed out what exactly is catching up to a truck when you're on a bike <laughs> it's like he's not tracking it he's <laughs> yeah yeah because he's coming upon it and it's parked there's stuff strewn all over the sun's coming up so it's like he lost it at some point and then found it again yeah it's just like they don't really put any effort into making any of this make any sense. And that will continue for the rest of this segment. He finds it sitting in the empty river basin he had been filming Iris near at the beginning of the film, body parts strewn on the ground around it. He examines the driver's seat only to find it empty with a pair of disembodied hands duct taped to the wheel. Upon examining the back of the truck, he finds a number of televisions stacked atop each other, as in the first two movies. Iris appears on one of the TV screens and demands that Kevin upload the footage to the broadcasters uh, and the internet as well. There's a little toggle switch that says upload Upload. on a wooden box. (laughs) I mean, as 
people we now this is 2024 mm. we all own these upload buttons it's yeah this is really prophetic in yeah. how it predicted this it's crazy You're right um with the d oh no i missed that uh internet as well as he ref- at first he refuses mentioning that the videos are causing people all over the city to go insane but when iris begins to brutally mutilate herself he relents and pushes a button labeled upload with the deed done, he exits the truck as the image of, of Iris on the screen continues to taunt him. Outside, he discovers Iris, having actually been dead for some time, slumped against the truck of her cell phone, with her cell phone stuck in her mouth. Kevin pulls a phone out of her mouth and sees that it is in selfie mode. He stares in shock at himself on the screen with his nose bleeding. The closing shot of the film, set to the finale from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, is a view of the Los Angeles skyline, smoke billowing up, lights flickering on and off, and a helicopter circling overhead, revealing the uploaded video have uh, the uploaded videos have gone viral and begun to affect thousands, thus fulfilling the grander threat introduced in the first two films. Hmm. Um, I don't know that that is the grander threat introduced in the first two films. No, I don't know either. And, and okay, so it's so it's so unsubtle this segment. Mm-hmm. And something that you had pointed out, I don't want to take credit for, it, but it's like it's a really uniquely bad time in history to make a comment on something like this because <laughs> you're just gonna reach for the most obvious shit, and that that's what this suffers from. Yeah, because it's a new. Like you're saying, because it's like the new technology. Yeah, the new technology, viral videos. videos, How everybody has cell phones. Mm -hmm. It's just like uh, it's pretty lazy. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it's lazy, and it's also. But the thing is, it's not even like lazy and cliche. It's like lazy and confusing and poorly thought out. You know, it's not. I don't like the way it's shot. Uh, I was complaining about how, because um, you're using this guy's like POV, which I guess is is the conceit here that he's just still holding his phone and filming everything. Is that what so. we're seeing? I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are cameras t- everywhere, all over the ice cream truck. Right. But. Um, but it's like you know we have a lot of his POV cam. And as he approaches this ice cream truck, it's it's just it's very frustrating to watch because you you start to whatever edifice there was separating like reality from film is dropped here yeah. because it's like with his POV, he will only look at things that suit the narrative. So he approaches this truck that last time he saw his girlfriend, she was inside. Or no, he didn't even see her inside, but the implication was she was inside the truck. The back of the truck is open. Does he go to the back door? No. No, he circles around the truck. He spends a lot of time very slowly looking in the front of the truck. And it's just like, okay, if my loved one, if this was any reasonable person, they would go straight to the open door at the back of the truck and look inside the truck. Yeah. And then if they didn't see her, they'd walk around the truck, which if he had done... He would have seen that she is dead, slumped against the other side of the truck from where he approached. But to suit this story, he literally never looks on the other side until he's been in there doing fucking upload bullshit for five minutes. Yeah. 
Oh, I got, it's really I got sad. angry this time. It's, it's really sad to see those two lovebirds like this. Yeah, yeah, because we know you, you really have a thing for her. It's finally through this abusive grandma, though. He can finally be free. <laughs> All right. So for deaths, we got a cop who gets hit by the ice cream truck and his arm gets torn off. Uh, in Dante the Great, a rabbit gets skinned. The woman in the shower gets cloaked. A girl gets cloaked in bed. Clay gets Jedi neck snapped. A SWAT team guy gets his body broken in a similar fashion. Another guy gets his rib cage ripped open telepathically. A couple, or teleke- telekinetically, a couple SWAT, SWAT guys get shot. Another gets burned. One gets tossed onto a bed of nails. Another gets body swapped and then mistakenly shot. Another gets shot. Dante gets eaten by the cloak and then Scarlet gets grabbed. Um, and as I pointed out, it's so boring to keep saying. And as I said before, <laughs> yeah, abracadabra, it reached out and grabbed her. Yeah, yeah, agra- Steve, Steve. Got, she she got Steve Millard. She got Steve Millard. Uh, uh no, I I I'm feeling the same phenomenon. It's like, <laughs> and I guess I'm just doing it for your benefit. Yeah, where same. It's like where it's like I said this yesterday, so I need to say. That like I said, I said before, so you don't think I'm stupid and that I forgot that I said this already. Yeah, let's abandon that. No, at, I'm at not going to be able to. Segment. It's just instinctual. <laughs> uh, a dude falls off a bridge. A bicyclist gets hit and dragged and his feet scraped on the ground. Uh, another crashes and dies. Uh, the other Alfonso in Parallel Monsters gets his head eaten by his wife's pussy monster. <laughs> Uh, and then the uh, OG Alfonso gets killed by his wife. Don't forget your joke from yesterday, which was very funny. What was she, it? You deadpanned. I find all pussies monstrous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Oh, man. I find all pussies monstrous. There we go. An adorable little dog gets stabbed in the head with a cooking fork. A cholo guy stabs everyone at the party. Uh, a grill explodes, killing him. Then uh, the camera guy gets his arm. Oh, this is from the uh, Bone Storm. The camera guy gets his arm ripped off and burns. A cultist gets shot. A skateboarder gets stabbed. A cultist gets stabbed in the neck with a bone. A cultist gets bludgeoned with a skateboard. A cultist gets decapitated with a machete. Another gets shot in the head while trying to stab the skateboarder uh, with a syringe. Another is pistol whipped to death. I think one gets stabbed. It's hard to tell. And then somebody else gets decapitated and a bunch of skeletons explode from fireworks. I just want to interject here. You would hear all of that and think, this segment sounds crazy. Yeah. There's like so much gore and death and crazy action. All of those things that Eric just described are completely weightless and you like can barely even register what's happening in most of them. Yeah. So so if you're thinking it's going to be some kind of like awesome Hong Kong ultra violence extravaganza, it's not. No, that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, the people in the taxi cab die, and then Iris is dead with a phone in her mouth. Mike, what was your favorite death? Well, when Iris's phone killed her when it got in her mouth. Yeah. It's, you, know, know. you know how dirty those things are? They have yeah. poop on them. That's fatal uh, almost every time. Yep. If you put your phone in your mouth. Yeah. Um, now, my actual favorite death, which I think I appreciated even more because of the... Uh, behind the scenes featurette for Dante the Great, which I mentioned a couple times is the, the rib cage gag. Um, because the one thing, I think the one thing that, that was left out that I think is, is worth part of what put it over the top for me is it's like, so 
So his like uniform rips open and then his rib cage ribs open like you were tearing off a jacket. Yeah. And then his his actual rib cage and all of his organs tumble out of his chest onto the floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh and it's very entertaining and I saw how they did it and it's a clever little special effect. Um because it's it's just a note for all you filmmakers at home. It's the best kind of cheap CGI. Because what it is, is instead of animating a rib cage and organs and all of these things falling out, it's just a composite. They took like one of those an anatomical models and put it in the same position and literally just like tilted it so everything fell out of it. And then they composite that into a shot of this guy with a green shirt on his chest, like pretending like his ribcage is falling out. That's cool. You know? That's really cool. Yeah. And it works really well. It's like, especially because it happens quickly. It's it's cool. It's shocking. It's a little gross. That's my that's my kill of the movie. Uh, mine is when Alfonso gets his head eaten by his wife's punana. Um, oh, we did things out of order. We didn't rank the uh, segments. Are you still there recording, you go. by the way? I got to check. Yeah, I am. I can see it. It's ticking away. Okay, good. Me too. Um, yeah, what's the Steven Seagal lyric? Me wanda punani. Yeah. With a very PC patois. Yeah. Yeah. The way you walk is so hot. That's another line. <laughs> oh, won't you take a walk with me to the beach? Or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Um, all right. We can just rattle, rattle these off. Number four, vicious circles, a framing narrative. Correct. Number three, bone storm. Yes, I agree. Number two, Dante the Great. Mm-hmm. And then number one, the actual one that I like the most, and I think is is worth watching, Parallel Monsters. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, severed zombie thumbs up or down. Is this movie gory, Mike? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's gory. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, even the, the parallel monster stuff alone is pretty <laughs> shocking. It's not gory per se. Does a monster like, penis count as gore? I wonder. No, I guess not. Um, ghost thumbs up or down. Is this movie scary? Is it trying to be scary? Does it succeed? No. I was no. It's not a scary movie. Parallel uh, Monsters is stressful. Yeah, I guess unsettling. unsettling. I yeah, yeah. Um, it succeeds in that way, but the rest of them are like distinctly unscary. Yeah, so it's definitely not scary, and I think there's you you could you would certainly question whether or not anyone is really trying to make it scary. And then finally, we never got here last time. Mm. Do we give this one a snow job, blow job, mm-hmm. or a new sob, mm-hmm. sob, new mm-hmm. sob? I have to say it like that. Sa- sob. And of course, this is based off of Jack Frost, the previous series we covered. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Um, well, this one's pretty easy. Uh, just because if you want to get like real technical paint by numbers with it, it's like I would say that um, the vicious circles frame is flat out bad. Um, I would say that. Bone Storm is pretty bad. It's not as bad as Vicious Circles, but I definitely didn't like it. Um, Dante the Great is fun, but it just lands just so ever so slightly on the positive side of neutral. 
Mm-hmm. And then Parallel Monsters is really good. So if you if you asked me if I wanted to watch a two movie anthology that was just Dante the Great and then Bone Storm, I would say no thank you. Yeah. So that to me is like okay, so this is tipped over into a movie that is more bad than good. Um and I just think in its conception it's stupid. Um I got into this in a lot more detail last time, so I'll spare everyone the the rant, but Eric Eric already sort of touched on it, which is this movie is like, oh yeah, we got to capture this new thing, viral videos uh and people live streaming themselves. And I think part of the reason that the first two VHS like are sort of more interesting is because VHS is uh is a media format that had come and gone, right? It was history at that point. So it's it's a lot easier to have a perspective and to have something to say about something that's past as opposed to something that's just starting. The idea it's only really the greatest artists are the ones who have something profound to say about a situation that's developing or yeah. is new, you know, it's a hard needle to thread, but I don't know why the fuck these guys thought they were the ones to do it. I think it's just because you're jumping on something that's current and popular. And that's not a great motivation to write a story from. Yeah. So it's a snow job. I agree. Um, I, I would like for somebody to make a VHS mixtape with just the best segments from all of the movies on it because i think they'd have a pretty you'd have a yeah really good what if one. they did that but wrote a new frame narrative that didn't suck yeah <laughs> re-release cool. it yeah uh vhs mixtape yeah it's a snow job for me i mean we we pretty much covered it the, the, most of these aren't even horror stories they're just yeah. silly and sometimes gory mm-hmm. uh it's all pretty sloppy and amateurish <clears throat> except for the standout and it's you know I don't this I mean I sound like I'm being really mean. I don't mean to sound as mean as I am, but it's just it's really low rent is yeah. the biggest is like kind of my biggest takeaway from it. It just feels less than than even the first movie which is like shot on VHS tape. You know, sometimes so, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But definitely like they have better equipment here and it doesn't make the movie better. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. Save this segment. Finally, it'll it'll see the light of day, and then we'll come back for our third and final segment. Woo. Mr. Steven Cigar, try to watch me a
All right, we're back. We're here for our final segment, and it's a, a fan favorite. I don't know. Maybe it's not. I don't care. It's what happens after Eric and I take turns doing pretty involved segments two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's horror movie trivial, trivial pursuit. You know, also we were recording like three days after our last episode, so what can you do? <laughs> and we had to restart from last night. Yeah. So anyways, uh, this is what you get, assholes. So Mike and I are going to quiz each other. Okay. Trivially. Pursue yeah. trivial things. None of these questions will be of import. No, no, no. They're all trivial. All trivial. they all yeah. trivial. Anyway, uh, first up, Mike, in the category mm-hmm. of paranormal, I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. what language does young Miles speak that suggests he may be a serial killer reincarnated in The Prodigy? Oh, I love The Prodigy. You know, I know that's... It's Firestarter? Smack my bitch up. <laughs> They're great. Um, you watch that, you know, that music video where it's like yeah, super, super intense and, and it's like, oh man, this is so problematic. And then at the end, it's a woman who's been doing it the whole yeah. time. Yeah. No, I remember. They, yeah. There's nudity in it. All right. Uh, what? So he Smack may be a serial killer. <laughs> what language tips unknown entities or organizations off that he might be a serial killer uh-huh um i mean aren't like the vast majority of serial killers american um romanian oh dude you're so close hungarian ah oh, shit <laughs> why would it be hungary i don't know can you yeah, hear my dogs fighting? I can. Yeah, because, like, you know, isn't isn't Vlad the Impaler and on the Dracula myth? And that's just from Romania. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, points for effort, right? Yep. Read your question. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let's move this fucking thing along. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Maybe I want to listen to your dogs fight. Um Paranormal for you. Who was the host of the DC Comics horror anthology comic series House of Mystery from Ooh. 1969 to 1983? I have no idea. The Ghoul Keeper? <laughs> the Ghoulie? The answer is Kane. And if you wanted some context, his brother Abel ran the House of Secrets. Oh, oh House of Secrets. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Zero to zero. Monster category. What kind of werewolves require a talisman to change in the Dresden Files comics uh, book series? I'm sorry. Let me reread that. Yeah, read that. What kind of werewolves require a talisman to change in the Dresden Files 2000 to current book series? I mean, (laughs) is, is it wargs? No, I'm sorry. It's Hexen Wolves. I, I wouldn't normally have <laughs> cut you off so soon, but there's yeah, no fucking way. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's give you a little bit of the same. How is these are always so like aligned with each other? It's you're gonna weird. Get, I grab them from different points in the deck too. Yeah, you're gonna get some some better ones eventually. Um Creature stuff. What creatures does the grim police detective Nick Burkhart battle 
in the Grimm TV series, 2011 to 2017. We've heard of that, at least. Yeah, yeah. What Can you say that again? What creatures? What creatures does he battle? Okay. I'm going to say orcs. No, I'm sorry. The answer is Wesson. <laughs> W-E-S-E-N. Oh, Wesson. Oh, that was what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gore disturbing. How does Constance kill the deformed twin attacking her in Just Before Dawn, 1981? Oh, I actually know this. Oh, you bastard. I've never seen this movie. I've never seen either. I just know this. It's in... uh, What weapon? What does she use to kill? Uh, um, I would... hmm. No, no hints. (laughs) It's not fair. Uh, She uses... Uh, a cast iron skillet. No, I'm sorry. She uses her fist, uh, but more specifically, she rips his heart out. I believe. What does she use? Jesus, she I think she rips her, her his heart. I didn't see it. It's in. It's in Stephen Graham Jones's. Uh... That's a stupid question. I know. It's a poorly phrased question. <sighs> this is, right, this is punishment for not us not pre- um, preparing. I got a segment for next week. You do. Yeah. Psychological. Yeah. No, I got to read you yours. Oh. Whose head did the cannibals taunt Miles with by eating it in front of him in Drifter 2016? His mother? No, I'm sorry. It's his brother, Dominic. Oh, Dominic. So you would have, I would have made you get Dominic. (laughs) If I would have said brother, you'd be like, be more specific. I absolutely would have. I got no points yet. Psychological. What magazine originally serialized H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness in 1936? Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a great story. Yeah. Um, Fantastic tales. Oh, astounding stories. Jesus. That's worse. It's worse to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Actor Christian Bale lost more than how many pounds? Oh, no. It's not even just like what movie? <laughs> lost more than how many? Classic <laughs> sentence structure. Uh, lost more than how many pounds to play the role of Trevor Resnick in The Machinist? The machinist. Yeah. 60? Wow. That is correct. Oh, wow. Well, and the fun... The, the, I mean, the stupidest thing about this question is you literally could have said anything lower than 60 and would still be correct. Yeah, you're right. Because of the way the question is phrased. <laughs> yes, he lost more than 40 pounds. He lost more than 20 pounds. Uh, but the card says 60. So congratulations. You get a point. Wow. Oh, I'm so proud. Yeah. Um, Don't do that stuff, guys. You'll get diabetes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks dangerously thin in that movie. Yeah. Which, this is a comedy. Okay. Which horror icon plays Leslie Vernon's therapist in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? Which you've seen, right? But I, I haven't. This is bullshit, man. Uh, One more time. What's the first half of the question? What horror icon <clears throat> plays Leslie Vernon's therapist in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon? Uh, Barbara Crampton. Oh. Sorry, Robert England. Okay, great. That's really too bad for me. Um, 
All right, your comedy question. Which Jaws star had a role in Piranha 3D? Whoa, now I'm blanking. Uh, is it Richard Dreyfus? Isn't he yeah. in it for a second? It is Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, yes. okay. He dies in the prologue. That's right. He's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, two, two to zero. Yeah. Uh, insurmountable for you, but I think you're going to get this one. Uh, Slasher. Mm-hmm. What camp did Jason Voorhees drown as a boy? <laughs> What camp did Jason Voorhees drown as a boy in the Friday the 13th <laughs> film series? He drowned an entire camp? Yeah. <laughs> when he was well, a boy. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Well, since since the, the camp was in Crystal Lake, I'm going to assume that's the lake that he drowned the whole camp in. Uh, so what's your answer? Crystal Lake. What? Read the question again. Uh, what camp did Jason Voorhees drown as a boy? Camp Crystal Lake. Okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tool. Yeah. Uh, well, you're going to win three to one. Oh, nice. Finally. This is the dumbest. This is the easiest question I've seen on one of these cards in a long time. What rock star directed the remake of Halloween in 2007? Oh, wow. D. Snyder. No, I'm kidding. Rob Zombie. That's correct. I'm impressed that you were able to pull that from the memory banks. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, thank you very much. Well, it was a, it was a stomping I received. Yeah, it's thrashed you all right. Now, just as an experiment, folks at home... Why don't you write in? Let us know how many cards you would have gotten off the one I had to answer. Yeah. And how many you would have gotten off the one that Eric had. Yeah. Are um, you a big, um, what was the werewolf one? Uh, uh, Dresden Files fan? Dresden Files. Yeah. Are you a big Wesson head from Grimm? My dogs are going nuts. It's time to end okay. this thing. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Next week, VHS 94. It's on Shutter. That's what I'll be watching it. Yeah, um, but it's also on you know all the places that are available to rent movies, but it's only streaming without it's rental everywhere else, right? Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's free on um, AMC Plus, Directv, Shutter, and Hoopla. Yeah. Hoopla, mm. I didn't know what it was. That's a that's another library card one. Interesting. Yeah, I okay. watched in the bedroom on that. Oh, nice. Yeah, good for me, right? Uh, I fucking love Todd Field, you little bitch. I do. I like Todd Field. I don't like him. Uh, and as always, yo, do crackheads got fire blood?